Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I am your host, Colin. And I'm Aaliyah. And wanted to say hello to everyone and also happy holidays and Merry Christmas. And also is the last two days of Hanukkah. Yeah, we're recording this on the night of December 18th. Mm Mm-hmm. So I thought, what better way to do an episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast than do a Christmas episode? Yeah, so we've talked a little bit about Krampus in the past, but I thought it would be more fun if we did a more deeper dive of the movie. Exactly, and you know what? And I've been wanting to do this for a while with you, especially if we're going to do a holiday movie, so this is perfect. Yeah, and I mean, I know there are other <laughs> holiday horror movies we could have covered, but... But it's for, okay. It's... For the most part, we've covered most of them. We covered yeah. a few remake debates of holiday horror movies and we've done our own reviews of other holiday stuff yes and you know and i think we've never done krampus and it's kind of weird that we've never done krampus in the last couple you know last couple years we never did krampus in its entirety and the movie's been out for like seven years now yes it has which is crazy because i remember when it first came out you and me and carolyn went to go see it together yes we did it, it was, was a fun time. It was actually, I think, twenty fifteen was started was the time when we first started seeing movies with Carolyn. I apologize in advance if you hear any like whining in the background. Lily's in her crate; she's not happy about it. But we have rules and boundaries in the house that if we're going to do podcasting, they're to be in their crates because it's the only time where they don't bark at the door. She's sitting there not not looking like she's doing anything, but it's like you don't see her whimpering, but she's whimpering really hard. She's just laying there looking like a mystic from the dark crystal with her head resting <laughs> on the edge of her bed. And she look she just, you can just hear her. You can't see her, but trust me, she's Well, there. she's my favorite mystic, that's for sure. Mystic Right? Mystic. Yep. Mystic. It just oh no, it just sounds almost like dipstick. But yeah. Um but I will say this also. We did have a wonderful show this past Friday at the Bug Jar. I thought you didn't want to talk about anything before we get into Krampus. Well I did thought of that and I thought it would be interesting to say something real quick about that. Okay. Yes, but this past Friday night we actually got to play a show at the Bug Jar. Again. Again, and it was a big crowd. Again. Again, of course, another big crowd. Mm-hmm. But we had a wonderful time, and Again. we played... <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> anyway, we played with the living room, first time, and also Bad Bloom, which, funny thing, I was up on stage, and I was thanking the bands for uh, for putting us on the bill and playing with them. I called them Big Bloom instead of Bad Bloom, and literally... Eric's in the crowd like, Colin, they're called Bad Bloom. And I'm like, whoa. I'm like, uh-oh. I'm, I'm like, uh-oh. I'm like on the mic. I'm like, I meant Bad Bloom. So sorry, everyone. This is awkward. It's like when you call somebody by a completely different name. Bad Bloom. <laughs> like, and I, and I was just like, my bad, fellas. And they're like this. It's okay. <laughs> but it was just so funny. It just felt like such a comedy moment. It was, it was great. It was awkward, but it was very funny. Too bad I didn't go. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, you were tired and you had a long week. That's why you just wanted to go and relax and hibernate, as you say. Well, I told you earlier in the week that if it was going to snow later on in the week... It that really I was not... didn't, but yeah. I am not somebody who enjoys the winter time at all. I was about to say, you love I... the snow. I... Fuck you. <laughs> in the butthole, okay? Like, <laughs> no, I'm not... I am not a fan of snow. I'm not a fan of the winter season. It's not my favorite time of year. And 
What's his fucking face? Andy Williams, the guy who sings It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. Oh, I thought you were talking about Andy Williams from the band, um, hardcore band, Every Time I Die. He's also a wrestler, too. No, the guy who wrote and sang the song It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year is a fucking jack-off. But because I hate winter and I despise the cold, Gosh. I refuse to well, go anywhere. Well, there's a lot of things you despise, honey. I refuse to go anywhere farther than, like, Anything that would be considered to me like more than a 10 minute drive, I'm not going. Even if it's downtown. This, I don't like the cold. I don't like winter. This is my wife, everyone. Snow can go fuck itself. Yeah. I, I don't care. It's so funny. I'll, she hates it. And then I run out. But sure enough. And be like, snow, yay. And then she's like, fuck you. But then sure enough, Thursday rolled around and there was like some snow, some of it was sticking, some of it was melting on the pavement, but otherwise we had snow. And I was like, look, see, I'm not going tomorrow. And then we had more snow on Friday and I'm like, still not going to fucking go. Well, it didn't really snow on Friday night, so. Although you went and I stayed home, I watched a documentary on Netflix and then I tried to watch the movie Tusk. Still haven't finished it, but it's very It's incredibly boring, you said. I didn't say it was boring. I you didn't said say, boring. I heard no, the B word. I said I couldn't pay attention. I don't know if it was because I was tired and was zoning out. You said it was bored. You were bored with it. I, You know what? I need a second review. <laughs> I need a second watch. Because like I said, I haven't finished it. So I don't know how it ends. But I need to watch back from the beginning. Pay the fuck attention to it. And Maybe then, I'm and then glad get, that I didn't watch this. Because I probably would be bored with it too. But you haven't watched it. You just refuse to watch it. I didn't say I refuse to watch it. It's just, it's not on my things to watch list. I did watch Saw for the first time, though, last week, and mm-hmm. I love that. And it's weird that you watched it for the first time last week when I originally saw it with my brother when it first came out in 04, which is nuts. I mean, it's almost been 20 years since Saw came out. Yeah. Which is nuts, is that... I remember almost 20 years ago just going to the theater and seeing that movie, and that movie just freaked me the fuck out, but it's funny, 20 years later, and it still gets those same feelings with people. So, it really comes to show that it is a timeless classic. So, yes, but speaking of classics, well, this is not really a classic, but let's go into this movie, shall we? Right. So, Krampus was released on December 4th of 2015. With a runtime of an hour and 38 minutes, it was directed by Michael Dougherty, who also directed Trick or Treat. Which is cool. It's written by Michael Dougherty. Who did Trick or Treat. Todd Casey and Zach Shields. And stars MJ Anthony as Max, who apparently flirted with every female cast member who visited the set. He's a little player, Dougherty revealed. Oh? Yeah. Really? Did he get with anyone on the set? He was a kid, Colin. He was probably like nine or ten years old. My first girlfriend was when I was five. Can we, like, get (laughs) on with the fucking program already? God damn it. (laughs) All right, fine, go ahead. Adam Scott is Tom. Oh, my God, he was so funny in it. Tony Collette is Sarah, who Tony Collette, I don't know if this time... From Hereditary? Yeah, she was in Hereditary, and she's been in quite a few other movies, especially like horror-themed ones. Well, she is like the modern-day scream queen. I don't think she's a scream queen, but she she usually plays a bad guy, right? Or a bad lady in movies? No, it's just... I haven't watched Hereditary, but it seems like from what I've seen in other reviews of it... She starts out as a seemingly normal she mom and wife. She kind of psychotic and hereditary in the, towards the end, right? Well, yeah. It's something of... It's like a... It's like a demonic possession movie meets a cult movie. 
So essentially she starts to become possessed and tries to kill her own son. And then uh, she, I don't want to reveal it because this is not a hereditary review. When we do ever watch Hereditary, we will review it. But let's we'll move on to they should call, They should have a Hereditary Christmas movie. Krista Stadler <laughs> as Omi. Yeah. Allison Tolman as Linda, who is Sarah's sister. David Co- Kochner. Yeah, David Kochner. David Kochner as Howard. I love him. And Conchata Farrell, the late Conchata Farrell, as yeah. Aunt Dorothy. Actresses Lolo Owen and Stefania LeVay Owen, who play Stevie and Beth, are actually real-life sisters. Yeah, they do look like sisters. So Stevie is... The one with the glasses? I don't remember. Linda and Howard's daughter, and Beth is Tom and Sarah's daughter. And I'm I'm getting frazzled because I'm trying to remember all these names because it's a... Even though it's like a small group of people in the movie itself, Honey. it's got a pretty big... List of A-list actors. Honey. Actresses. What? Relax. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. You're okay? getting to be relaxed? The synopsis goes, While the holiday season represents the most magical time of year, ancient European folklore warns of Krampus, a horned beast who punishes naughty children at Christmas time. When dysfunctional family squabbling causes young Max to lose his festive spirit, it unleashes the wrath of the fearsome demon. As Krampus lays siege to the Engel house, they must band together to save one another from a monstrous fate. Thoughts so far? Well, it's cool for once <clears throat> that they finally put out a Krampus movie. Right. Because for years, as folklores go, Krampus has been a folklore legend for like eons. Mm-hmm. For like throughout our time of history. You know, so it was really cool to finally see... A Krampus movie finally happening because you've never seen a Krampus movie in any decade, not even the 80s, 70s, 90s. Nowhere in those decades have ever thought about, hey, let's do a Krampus movie. No. Well, it's never usually marketed that way. Because think of it this way. We live in America. Growing up in America, you only hear about Santa Claus and the reindeer and the elves and the North Pole. And they never talked about any other cultures outside of America when it comes to Christmas. Exactly. And the only time you do is when you hear about Hanukkah or Kwanzaa. But we never hear about the other holiday traditions from other countries. It wasn't until more people started coming out and say, you know, there are other holiday traditions revolving around the winter solstice. Mm -hmm. And people started learning about the pagan traditions and the Yuletide traditions. And it's cool, yeah. And I honestly want to recommend something. Morbid did an episode where they covered the entire Yule holiday festivities and traditions it's a very good deep dive into the entire yuletide and pagan religion Mm -hmm. and how they celebrate the winter solstice yeah i recommend it because it's really cool you would like it because they they talk about something called the yule lads the 13 yeah yes i know the yule lads they're like little mischievous elves or some shit yes and some of those Traditions and concepts are incorporated in Krampus, which we'll talk a little bit more about as I get into the story. But I do want to go over the pre-production notes before we get into the plot. Okay, but I just want to say for sure is that I feel like they should really bring out more outside traditions of Christmas, you know, for like for people to know in the U.S. and know more about other traditions. Right. And it's cool that they could do this and make a movie out of it and just really just have fun with it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's great and just like <clears throat> there should be more stuff like this. So understandably, with the controversy that surrounded other Christmas horror movies like Silent Night, Deadly Night. That and was Black a big Cri- controversy. And Black Christmas, Krampus was a very hard story to sell. And it wasn't until Legendary Pictures agreed to a PG-13 rating that Universal greenlit the movie. Which I actually will go in and say that is very accurate, especially with Silent Night, Deadly Night, because when that came out, that was actually a big movie for a second because it actually got to be number one in the box office. But the controversy spreading around with this horror movie and how what the story is about, especially involving Christmas, a lot of protesters signed a big petition to actually take that out of the theater. And it really, and they won, so the movie actually left after being in the theaters for a couple of weeks. Right, and the thing about Silent Night, Deadly Night, we, like I said, we covered the remake debate covering both Silent Night, Deadly Night, the original, and the remake called Silent Night, which apparently is starting to become a cult classic amongst audiences today, which I think is very interesting, because both versions have an underlining backstory that is inspired by a true crime case revolving Christmas, which I think is interesting. So if you ever go back and re-listen or listen to the Silent Night, Deadly Night remake, just know that there are trigger warnings, Mm -hmm. which is probably why it was such a controversial movie of the time. I prefer the original, but yeah. Well, because anything that's painting a holiday in a negative light is never going to be well-received by Puritans and... Yeah, that's just not how they roll. Well, I do appreciate Joe Bob Briggs <clears throat> actually re... He's doing another Last Drive-In special. No, well, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when they did... When they did... Reenactment the- of him taking the male girl and putting her on the deer antlers. Yeah, they recreated the most mm-hmm. iconic kill scene in Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah, which I love that kill scene. So it was cool that they redid that. Shall I go on? Okay. The film was originally set to release on November 25th, but was pushed back to December 4th to coincide with Krampusnacht, a traditional Austrian festival held on December 5th that celebrates the Krampus coming to punish naughty children. Krampus is a huge part of Austrian and German folklore. In Austria and southern Germany, they have Krampus runs where grown-up men mm-hmm. dress up as Krampuses and parade through the city streets and scare children. I've seen videos. Me too. And they are yeah. the most exciting I thing. I want to visit there. It's the most exciting thing I've ever seen. Like, it looks like a demonic parade. We it's want. Awesome. We, should, we should go there one year. We should. But I heard also they actually do this in the U.S. too. There's one over in, uh, Phil- in Pennsylvania. If that's true, I want to go. Yeah, because Carolyn's been to it. Oh, I want to go. That sounds like fun. It really is. And she took pictures with the uh, Krampus guys, too. And she thought it was the best thing she's ever been to. That sounds delightful. So I think, yeah, there is one in Pennsylvania. They do a Krampus one over there. um, I want to go. But but actually going to, like, what, Austria or Germany and going to the actual festival would be amazing. I would totally be down That for would it. be fun. Oh, my fucking God. That would be a great Christmas uh, trip. <sighs> You're getting me all hopped up for Christmas, Colin. Stop it. Okay. <laughs> well, if it's evil Christmas, then yes. Okay. Michael Dougherty describes the Krampus in this film as Santa Claus's shadow. He says, quote, He's not the unstoppable monster that kicks down your door and rampages and grabs you. There's something darkly playful about him. He's having a good time doing what he does, and he enjoys the cat and mouse aspect of it. Doggerty also goes on to say, quote, 
Christmas movies exist in their own little snow globe where a clashing family, no matter how sick of each other, always manages to overcome their differences and live happily ever after. But what if the family's issues escalated and then they sort of allow Krampus to seep into their reality? I think the cool thing about this too is that what they culminated with the Krampus movie is that they were doing traditional Christmas movies too from like our past. Then they actually, like you said, it had feelings of uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation mm-hmm. mixed with like a horror movie. Yeah, like I said, and I've always, this is how I best describe Krampus. It's like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation meets, what's a good way of describing the other half of it? It's just something dark um, and sinister and demonic. I feel like it's a mixture of Chris, of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation meets like Creepshow. Or like, yeah. Yeah, it's got, because Or Trick or Treat. Yeah, or, in that yeah, aspect, or Trick yeah. or Treat, or even any other like horror movie with creatures and stuff that you could best describe it that way. Yeah. You know, and I just feel like what is great, too, is that Krampus um, used other things, like demonic things. Like, use nice little Christmas things to turn them into demonic. Like, you got little fucking crazy-ass gingerbread men. Mm-hmm. You have his toys that come out of his bag. Like, you got, mm-hmm. like, a fucking angel. Yeah, the Christmas angel. The Christmas angel. You have, like, the jack-in-the-box. You have a fucking demonic teddy bear. You got a robot. Right. You got... The little Yule lads. Yes. You got freaking... You got everyone. You got all the little guys and everything. Like, the gingerbread, when he first <laughs> came into the chimney and took the kid, like, literally, it was just... He scared him, and then he, like, whistled up to, like, to... For the chain to go up. Yeah. And I thought that was actually pretty cool. What's really cool about the look of Krampus, too, is that the final design of Krampus was distilled from various postcards and illustrations of the creature over the years. Yeah, he, looked, like, yeah, he looked like Grandpa. Well, you've seen pictures of Krampus, right? Like, different variations of him? Well, the regular hairy, like, on his hind hooves and stuff, like the brown hair uh, Some Krampus. people have seen him as, like, a goat man-looking demonic creature. I've never seen him. Like, the way he and looks, like, in this movie, he looks very elder, like, very grandpa-y, like... There have been other ways of describing the look of Krampus himself and I don't know how to really describe it because it makes absolutely no sense but instead of showing Krampus's face as what's you know again has been depicted over the years they claim that what you see on the face is more of a mask and not Krampus's face itself yeah so Essentially, when you look at it... So, it's, just imagine what he really looks like underneath. Exactly. It's Krampus wearing a human mask over his face. And that's fucking terrifying. Yes. Yeah, It's like House of a Thousand Corpses shit. Like, that's what it reminds me of. It's like Rob Zombie with a, with a hump. He looked like... It's not like that, but he okay. He looked like Rob Zombie with a fucking hump. No, he does not look yes, like Rob Zombie. Yes, he does. Zombie. All he's doing is, di- is singing, serenading to that old woman. Question. What? Since you love Christmas movies so much. Oh, yes, I do. How do you feel about music? Um, Like Christmas music in a movie? Yeah, like I guess specifically movies I written will specifically s- for Christmas movies. I will say the one that I really like recently, it was a movie that came out a couple of years ago, but I just got into it this year. Well, mm-hmm. like not too long ago, is Anna and the Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone has seen it yet, but go see it. It's a very good, it's basically like 
a Christmas musical meets like zombies. I yeah, I kind of think of it as like it's a musical meets like zombies and Christmas. It's like Shaun of the Dead meets it's more, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yeah, kind of. And then pretty much. And then you got music, 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 uh, musical. You got <laughs> well, you got a lot of musical aspects to it. Yeah, and it's like Cats. No, I'm just kidding. Not like cats. Okay, maybe not like cats. But, but composer Douglas Pipes describes his music for Krampus as, quote, a collection of twisted Christmas carols with pagan thrown in it. I like that. He incorporated the sounds of chains, bells, bones, and animal skin drums into the score and had choirs chant and whisper in different tongues. That's cool. That is very sick. I'm I like, like yo, that's awesome. So Rob Zombie is in this. No, he's not. <laughs> His name is Douglas Pipes, and he's a fucking genius. Like, that's authenticity to a whole other level. I love it. Yeah. So, I'll get into the plot. Wait, we're not there yet? God damn, now, Aaliyah. Take your, don't t- take your time. God I, damn. I organize my notes in a way that seems more fluid. So, let me know if you comment or anything how I do with this episode. Because I'm trying a different approach with my note takings. You suck. No, I'm just kidding. Wow. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm wow. Kidding. I'm kidding. Calm down. That was unnecessary. I haven't even gotten to the plot yet, you turd. That's the point. No, I'm just kidding. I'm you know ki- what? I'm kidding. I'm kidding, honey. I'm going to start with this off with a plot point. The opening sequence was shot on location in a single day at a department store in New Zealand. They made oh. a point. Yeah, they made a point of having the film's first act be strictly a Christmas movie before having it turn towards horror and dark fantasy. Now, the opening credits and the opening sequence of this movie is the slow motion stampede of Black Friday where people are pushing up against the door of a department store just as it's about to open up and employees getting trampled and people getting kicked and punched and shoved. It's a fucking madhouse. It makes me so glad I don't work in retail anymore. But anyway, I digress. Oh, that's great. Three days before Christmas... The prosperous but dysfunctional Engel family prepare for the holidays. The youngest member of the family, Max Engel, remains a firm believer in Santa Claus and intends to send him a letter. His family includes his teenage sister, Beth, their parents, Tom and Sarah, and Tom's mother, who the family calls Omi and who speaks mostly German. Sarah's side of the family visiting for Christmas includes her sister Linda, Linda's husband Howard, Sarah and Linda's, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation of this word, but cantankerous Aunt Dorothy. I don't know if I pronounced that right. And Linda and Howard's children, Howie Jr., Stevie, Jordan, and baby Chrissy, as well as their bulldog, Rosie, which, again, I cannot stress enough how much this reminds me of National Lampoon's Family Christmas. Make Christmas vacation? Yes, whatever. Did you say Family Christmas? <laughs> I don't care. What? Is that, is that the sequel? Because that's really not the sequel. There's Christmas Vacation 2. Anyway, okay. 95% of this movie was shot on a soundstage. The snow on the ground was made from the materials that's usually used for diapers. Ew. (laughs) Yeah. You can make fake snow out of anything nowadays. Anyway. Okay. (laughs) In Max's letter to Santa, his full name is Max Engel. The name Engel is the German word for angel. This hints at his family's Austrian heritage. At Mm. the beginning of the film, the TV in the kitchen is showing a news broadcast with the scroll saying, Season's Greetings. Season's Greetings was a 1996 animated short directed by Michael Dougherty, 
that introduced Sam, the demonic Halloween spirit from Dari's cult classic, Trick or Treat. And I remembered that because I actually saw that video on YouTube. And that was actually pretty, pretty interesting because as he's walking down, especially around like in the city streets or something, he, uh, some guy tried to come up and try to kill him. Instead, he killed the guy. Oh, plot twist. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was a pretty good cartoon, and you could tell, like, the drawing itself, like, the way they did the animation, almost looked like a Charlie Brown cartoon. That's cool, though. I like that idea. Yeah. So, in the kitchen, Max and Omi are making Christmas cookies, and they're waiting for Sarah's sister and her family to show up. So, as the camera pans out from the Christmas Carol movie on the kitchen television, there are many different Austrian desserts completely filling the counter and middle table, or the island I guess you would call it. And I'm, I'm not going to even try to pronounce these words because it's Austrian and I'm not good with other language pronunciation. Nice. All of these things that incorporate the Austrian heritage um, into shadow what's to come. Max wants to continue family traditions, but tensions among his relatives sap their Christmas spirit. When his cousins read out his letter to Santa and mock him for still believing, he fights with them and yells out that he hates his family and even Christmas. God, I feel bad. His father comforts him by telling him that even though there is chaos during the holidays, he should always love his family and he gives him his letter to Santa. But in a fit of anger, Max tears up the letter and throws it into the wind outside, whereupon it is swept up into the sky. And that's the part he fucked up at, because <laughs> because of that, and all the hate and stuff, that Krampus came into town. Right. And he shouldn't have done that, but... But we'll get into that later. later. Later that night, a severe blizzard engulfs the town, causing a power outage. When Beth ventures out to check on her boyfriend, a large horned creature chases her. She hides beneath a delivery truck, but the creature leaves a jack-in-the-box, which attacks her and gives the impression that she has been killed. But we'll get to that later. When she does not return home within the hour deadline her mom set, Tom and Howard leave to search for Beth. They find her boyfriend's house in ruins with the chimney split open and a large goat-like hoof print in the house. Outside, the two are attacked by an unseen snow monster hidden in the snow. Tom saves Howard from the monster by shooting it with Howard's gun. They return home and board up the windows, and everybody tries to get some sleep, except Howard, who volunteers to stand guard. Howard fucks up, though. He does big time, because he sleeps too, right? Yes, he does. He always says this throughout the movie, but he's like, a shepherd has to protect his flock. Well, that shepherd did not. Some fucking shepherd he is, because Mm. later, after Howard falls asleep, a large hook with a living gingerbread man attached lures Howie Jr. to the chimney. Mm-hmm. He takes a bite of the gingerbread man, but it comes to life and he is dragged up the chimney despite the family's efforts to save him. <laughs> Meanwhile, a fire log is inadvertently kicked aside during their struggle to save Howie, setting the tree in presence ablaze. I want to read another side note. I will say, it looks like no one's getting any presents for Christmas. Nope. Not in this lifetime. So I guess at some point in the movie, Max shares some of his candy from his Halloween stash to comfort his cousins. And inside the bag, you can actually see a lollipop identical to the one used as a weapon by Sam from Trick or Treat. Mm -hmm. Which I like, that's a little like homage to that. I thought that's cool. And many of Krampus's minions are also real Christmas slash winter folk figures in European cultures, such as the Yule Goat, which is a Scandinavian figure. Uh, the creatures with Icelandic names are named after the Icelandic Yule Lads, who are said to visit homes each of the 13 nights before Christmas. And the gingerbread cookie that is lowered down into the chimney 
that's attached to the hook, the one that kidnapped Howie, mm-hmm. um, is based off of one of these 13-year-old lads. <laughs> and I, Colin tried to pronounce the name earlier, but there's no way we're going to be able to pronounce it correctly. I think I could. Don't try it. I don't want to offend anybody. They carry a meat hook in order to steal meats smoking from the fires on Christmas. And he visits on December 23rd, which is the same night that Howie is incidentally taken in Krampus. Because we do see, like, as the days go on since his relatives show up, we see, like, what seems to be Max opening up these little advent calendar candies every day. Which, that's the same thing that they did in National Lampoon's Vacation. They were exactly. They the opening of that, too. Exactly. So, this is synonymous to that. So, on the 23rd day that Max opens up his little advent calendar is the night that Howie, gets, Howie Jr. gets abducted. Huh. Interesting. I thought that part was really cool. That is Two of the gingerbread men are voiced by Seth Green and Justin Roiland. Which is funny because I can see um, Seth doing that, but who else was it? Justin Roiland. Justin Roiland. Do you know who that is? No. Recognize the name either. Hold on. So he's a voice actor. He's been in Invader Zim, Space Jam, like the new Space Jam movie that came out last year. He is in another movie called Smallfoot and um, Super Buddies. But yeah, it seems like... Oh, and apparently he's going to be in Megan. Oh. Apparently. Really? At at least that's what his... IMDB listing shows okay. his filmography. That's interesting. Okay, cool. Any thoughts before I go forward? No, get, get going. <laughs> okay, so Omi explains that the creature haunting them or hunting them is Krampus, an ancient demonic spirit who punishes those who have lost the Christmas spirit. Omi recounts that when she was a child, her parents and community lost their spirit due to the hardships of the war in Europe. She also lost hope and wished for her parents to be taken away. The wish summoned Krampus, and he and his helpers dragged everyone except for her to hell, leaving behind a bell bauble with his name on it. The family remained skeptical until monstrous toys hidden in the presence delivered earlier invade the house. Upstairs, Stevie and Jordan are lured into the attic by what seems like Beth's voice. Downstairs, the adults hear them screaming. Tom, Sarah, and Linda go up to investigate, only to find Jordan being eaten by a deer clown, which is, or der clown, it's like D-E-R, is how it's spelled. The jack-in-the-box from before. The family feigns off the toys and the gingerbread men, but Krampus elves leap in through the window, taking Dorothy and Chrissy. Howard, desperate to get his kids back, jumps on the deer clown, or der clown, and then disappears afterwards. Thoughts so far? Well, I will <clears throat> say I give the uh, respects to them for doing a little bit of stop motion, especially for the story about her as a little girl. Yes. Which I thought that was really cool because I feel like you can't have a Christmas movie without some stop motion animation. It seems to be the go-to for a lot of Christmas movies. I mean, not only does Krampus do this, Elf does this. Yeah, well, they're all inspired by Rankin-Bass, you know? Rankin-Bass was like the godfathers of like stop motion Christmas specials. But even Nightmare for Christmas, which is still a movie that's highly debatable in terms of whether it's a Halloween or a Christmas movie, it's sort of a bit of both, but if you consider it to be a holiday movie for winter... It's a stop-motion movie. So it only seems fitting that Krampus would do something like that, especially in a small five-minute segment like this one. Mm-hmm. But I digress. Tom decides that the family should flee to an abandoned snowplow on street outside. Omi stays behind to distract Krampus, who emerges from the fireplace and attacks her with his bag of toys. 
Outside, Tom, Sarah, and Linda are dragged under the snow and eaten by the snow monster, while Stevie is captured by the elves. Krampus confronts Max and gives him a bell bobble wrapped in a piece of dis- of his discarded letter. Realizing that tearing up the letter is what summoned Krampus there in the first place, Max chases after the demon, catching up as the pit of hell opens. He begs for Stevie to be spared and offers himself up as a sacrifice. Krampus refuses and tosses Stevie into the hell pit. Max honestly apologizes for losing his spirit, and although Krampus seems to accept his apology, he still tosses Max into the pit. Max awakens in his house on Christmas morning, discovering his family alive and well downstairs. He thinks what has happened was just a nightmare, and as he unwraps a present to reveal Krampus's bauble, the family are shown with ominous looks on their faces as their memories of the horrific events slowly come back to them. The camera pans out, revealing that the house is shown through a magical snow globe, along with hundreds of others in a vast collection in the underworld for Krampus to monitor and spy on for having spared them. Yep, and in the very end, all those little creatures, <clears throat> like the Yule lads, of the uh, gingerbread, the toys, they all come out and attack the camera. I mean, I don't think that's the case. Well, they all were shown <clears throat> in, in the very end. But let me run something by you really quick. The movie's ambiguous ending has spawned two fan theories. One, that the Engels and their family are trapped in the snow globe, condemned to repeat Christmas morning for an eternity in a twisted version of hell. Or, number two, they were given a second chance and the snow globe of Krampus's means of watching over them. Although writer-slash-director Michael Daugherty has refused to confirm which theory is true, the tie-in comic book Shadow of St. Nicholas confirms that the happy ending is the true one. The comic has murdered characters resurrected without any hint of a twist, showing that Krampus is willing to give people a second chance as long as they prove they've learned their lesson. Unlike his grandmother, Max was brave enough to confront Krampus and proved he learned his lesson, which is why Max had his family returned and the grandmothers didn't. Daugherty says that the latter is a cynical, alibet still possible interpretation. Which one do you think is possible? I actually honestly don't know. I didn't really think of any of those when I first saw it. I just thought, you know, they <coughs> were just basically in their own little hell of in a snow globe for all eternity for what they did. But he gave them a second chance, so he's basically watching them to see if, like, literally if they make a mistake or they mess up. Yeah, because, I mean, think of it this way, too. They all fucked up first time around. Yeah. They all come over. Because they're all dipshits. Well, they all come over. They all insult one another. Causing Max to hate upon Christmas, yeah. discard his letter, which is what summoned I, Krampus in the first place. I guess this is way of Krampus saying, <coughs> be nice to one and all. Like, be nice to each right. other. Right. So, after all is said and done, like, he kidnaps all of his family and has left him spared, hoping he will learn his lesson going forward, now alone. Right? Just like his grandmother did. Yeah. But, what if he's like... I don't accept that. I want my family back. I'm taking back my wish. I'm apologizing for what I didn't learn, and I want my family back. Yeah. Krampus accepts the apology, but doesn't work out. But like still that. throws him into the pit. 
<clears throat> now, what does that mean for Maxon's family? If they are now shown to be alive, but trapped in this snow globe fantasy, does this mean if they get their second chance to celebrate Christmas together the way that they should have the first time around, does this mean that they can get through the day of Christmas with no arguing, no issues, no bullshit, that they'll be let go and spared again? Or does this mean that they still don't learn their fucking lesson and are doomed to repeat this holiday in like a purgatory hell? I guess honestly we weren't <laughs> supposed to know. And we everyone has their own feelings and opinions and really theories of what really is going on after all this. I do think the not knowing is a more horrific way to feel about it because, like you said, if you don't know what's going to happen to them, that makes it even more terrifying and it makes it even more like, bleak. And that's why everyone seems so. I feel like people seem anxious and there's like kind of like, what is really going to happen to this family? I guess right. that's what the director wanted. Exactly, because imagine imagine spending every single day for the rest of your life reliving Christmas with these people over and over and over again, especially considering how Linda and Sarah felt about their aunt. Honestly, with that family, I couldn't, <coughs> I couldn't, I couldn't relive Christmas every day with those people. No, it would get really old really quick. I wouldn't like Christmas anymore. Right. It'd be like Groundhog's Day, the Bill Murray movie, but instead you're just in a snow globe every day and you can't get out of your little uh, groundhog scenario. Also, did you catch the in memoriam at the end of it too? What do you mean? The movie was dedicated in loving memory of director Michael Dougherty's mother Ramona Grace Dougherty. Oh. Um, I didn't see that. Yeah, I guess she passed away during the production of the movie dedicated in honor of her. That's sweet of him. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we wrap it up? No, I think we uh, got down everything. I do want to say, though, that, like, this movie gave me a lot of creative inspirations for when we get a house. And well, this well, this whole movie is nothing but creative inspiration. I mean, literally, you could really do anything with this, especially theme-wise for your house. I had a couple of ideas. Oh, I know. Actually, the one idea I really liked that you thought of was definitely having a big giant Krampus in front of the on the front yard. Well, Spencer's and Spirit Halloween in recent years they have started to sell like six foot tall Krampus animatronics. Have they really? Yeah, you don't see those. They've been putting them out in Spirit Halloween stores for the past three years. I never saw them there. I've seen them, and I want one. I mean, oh. I can't have one now because where would I put it? But if I ever got a house... We could put it in our apartment. This, let me just set the scene for you, right? We have a two-story house, like a two-floor home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? You've got a nice black picketed fence. You know, like the gothic-looking ones, the little spiky ones, the ones that... Go on. You walk by the yard, right? Mm-hmm. And in the trees, you've got the gingerbread men hanging from meat hooks, right? Yeah. On the roof of the house, you've got the Krampus standing there looking menacingly, watching over the neighborhood in the yard. I would have one just on the ground. Well, no, I think him put it, putting him on top of the house would be more menacing. Like, because especially if he's facing the road in the front yard, it's like he's watching over the neighborhood. Oh my god. <laughs> Then on the in the front yard, you've got all of these like little scarecrows dressed up as the elves yeah. with the goat faces or the heads and horns and stuff, all dressed up like the elves, like really creepy and posed like they're dancing around a fire pit right in the middle of the yard. And there's your hell pit. 
This is genius. <laughs> yes. But I want I want colored Christmas lights though. Sure. Like all the colors of the rainbow, like those traditional Christmas lights. Can they be all red? Some. Damn it. Some, not all. Okay. See, we come to an agreement. Hmm? Anyway. Also, can the Grinch be there, too? Uh, I mean, it would be even funnier to see one of those elves Eat hol- the Grinch. holding up the Grinch like they're about to throw him into the fire pit. But Grinch is evil, too. <clears throat> He's not evil. In fact, the Grinch would be the perfect victim of Krampus because he has no fucking concept of the, cr- of the Christmas spirit. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good point. But- right. But no, but in the very end of How the Grinch Stole Christmas, he redeemed himself, and his heart grew three sizes. Yeah, in his own story. But if you threw Krampus in the mix, <laughs> even if he's a cynical hard ass yeah. who would be totally skeptical of what's going on around well, what him. What about Scrooge? Would you throw him in the pit, too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Honey, he hated Christmas. Yeah. Again, another worthy victim of Krampus. All right, all right. Well, who are all the worthy victims for Krampus that are Christmas characters? Name a list. The Wet Bandits. The, what? They robbed houses. Mm-hmm. What about On Christmas? What about Bumbles? What do you mean Bumbles? Who's Bumbles? Bu- really? He is the giant Yeti from uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the big white abominable snowman. Yeah, but he teams up with Rudolph like right away. Well, not he's right, very right away. he's easily swayed and influenced by other nicer characters. <sighs> oh my God. Um, he's not exactly a hard ass. Okay. He's scary until Yukon Cornelius. Well, actually, uh, Hermie <clears throat> takes all his teeth out because he's a freaking dentist. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good point. I'd probably throw him in the pit too. Who else? Oh, uh, the Burgermeister. Oh, the, you, uh, you remember that? The Burgermeister. The Burgermeister. Meister. Where the burger. the Burgermeister Meister Burger. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, who's the villain for Jack Frost? Um, he's I don't like remember. the Russian king. He actually would be a good victim too because that's what he gets. Walter Hobbs. No, that's someone else. What are you talking about? Walter Hobbs from Elf. Oh, Walter. Oh, James Caan? Yeah. <laughs> he he goes into the pit. He would. He would go into I'll, the pit. I'll see you in hell. <laughs> Him and the guy who was at the Santa the department store. Yeah? Yes. Um, oh, wait. The guy who smells like beef and cheese? Yeah. <clears throat> oh, who's another one? Who's another one? I love this game. Um, <laughs> um, oh, wait a minute. I know. I know. Clark Griswold's cousin. Eddie? Eddie. That's not his cousin. That's what? his brother-in-law. Brother-in-law. Well, whoever the fuck he is. No, anyway. his boss. No. Oh, yeah, his boss, but also Eddie, too. Well, no. Eddie... Eddie don't deserve it. No. Oh, wait a minute. The neighbors. Clark Rizalt's neighbors. No. Elaine and the husband. His neighbors and his boss. Those are the only two I can think of that deserve to be the victims of Krampus. Not Betty Boop? <clears throat> the woman no. who played Betty Boop? She has dementia. Leave so, her alone. So, throw her in the pit. Leave Anyone her be. dementia, you put her in the pit. <laughs> Leave her be. Yo, what about Drax from uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Christmas special? No? Bad idea. Um, I I hate you for bringing that up. I love myself for bringing that up. Anyway, I love that you said the wet bandits. The sticky bandits also. The wet slash sticky bandits. Yeah, we're the sticky (coughs) bandits now. And he's like, shut up, Mav. Oh, who else? Who else? I'm excited about this. Okay. um, Oh, oh, oh. Oh, don't um, don't smack my leg. Okay. Uh, oh wait, heat miser and cold miser. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Those. Oh, 
Really? Let's see. Who else? Who else? One more character. One more before we had to go. Scott Farkas. There you go. Yeah. Scott Farkas. From A Christmas Story. Yeah. Even though he was kind of redeemed in the second movie. But yes, I would say yes, throw him in the pit. Right. I do want to do... Really? You just interrupt me. Well, since we're done playing your little game, I do want to say something and just like a PSA for the next two weeks. Because next Sunday is Christmas and the following Sunday is New Year's Eve. So we're not going to have any shows for a while. Well, it's not decided yet if we're going to have time to do episodes. I will post them on Instagram if... I don't think we'll have time to do a recording. Who, what, how, <clears throat> wait, what would be the number for this episode? 38 or something? Yeah, 38. Episode 38. So oh, we've damn. had, we had 38 episodes this year. Uh, mm-hmm. so Sorry. We didn't, so we didn't make it to uh, 40, damn. We will try next year. We will shoot for 40. All right. All right? That's fine. But it's been a really good year, I would say. We had a lot of fun this year with the podcast We've had a lot of great things happen for this podcast that we're very, very proud of. And hopefully next year we'll have more great things to bring to you guys. And I do want to say, especially to Fright Rags, we want to thank you for sponsoring us these past five months. It's been a really great opportunity for us. It really means a lot to us to have a sponsor like Fright Rags Mm -hmm. because... I still feel like in some ways we're still a pretty small podcast. Like, even though we're about a few years into this show, we haven't really accomplished a whole lot as much as we'd like to. Oh, that's why hopefully we could do more for next year. But having our first ever sponsorship like Sprite Rags was such a huge accomplishment for us and it really meant a lot lot to us that Mm -hmm. Ben Scrivens was able to work with us the way that he was able to. And Ben is an incredibly nice guy. Yeah, we can't thank him and the people behind Fright Rags enough for sponsoring us. Like I said, it's been a really great opportunity. And I think the, the primary basis for this sponsorship was we're from Rochester originally. Like we're stationed in Rochester. We live in Rochester. And Fright Rags is also stationed in Rochester. And it really is a great way for local businesses to help each other out or local podcasters to help one another in this way because it helps push our show, it helps push their products out, and it you know, it helps us both in And it helps everyone, it makes everyone happy. Yes. So if you're listening to this the week before Christmas, if you are able to use that Abnormal ten promo code to Get ten percent off your purchase on Fright Rags. Yep, it, and do everything capitalized. It does expire on December thirty first. So if you're listening to this after December thirty first of twenty twenty two, go get your shopping done now. No, it just means that the promo code is no longer valid. Okay, never mind. Don't but, do your shopping now. But again, we want to thank Fright Rags. We want to thank Ben Scrivens and yeah, Ben. You are awesome. Thank you so much for really like taking a chance on us and really like working together on this. And really appreciate you. Yes, we really do. And go make sure you follow them on all their socials. They're on mm-hmm. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. Just yeah. go follow they're actually, them. They're, they're actually closed right now until uh, next year. Cause they oh, act, yeah. They usually take a, a time off to be with their families and stuff for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of nice for them to really get away and kind of like take a breather from all the hard work they've done. Right. So we really appreciate them and everything they do at the shop. Yep, and I know I usually do these outros at the end of every episode, but as far as the Abnormal Podcast go, please go follow our socials. We're on Instagram and TikTok under the Abnormal Podcast username. And if you're listening to us on 
any streaming platform that allows you to rate, comment, or share our podcast episodes, please do. It helps with the ratings. It helps boost our show across other countries and other platforms. And it would really, really mean a lot to us going into the new year to start off with a bang. So like, comment, subscribe, share. So yeah, and come and like, keep listening to us and just... Yeah, if you really enjoy us, just keep listening and we'll keep coming out with content. Yeah, and hopefully, like I said, we'll hopefully have more stuff coming up next year. Exactly, and we will. We'll have more content for next year's for sure. Yep. So other than that, this has been another fun episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast, and I'm glad we had a good time. I had a good time. Yep. Did you have a good time? Yep. Cool. All right. Well, stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. I am your host, Colin. And I'm Aaliyah. Signing off saying, I just got my ass kicked by a bunch of Christmas cookies.